Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. In today's episode, I interviewed my teacher from high school, Mrs. Eisenman, and we had a really interesting conversation about um, just like the um, interesting dynamic of being a high school teacher and sort of have to enforcing rules, but also being close with the students. And we were actually very close and we still are close. And um, Mrs. Eisenman is a shadrin for uh, Saw You at Sinai and um, for YU Connects. Apparently, they are sister sites, which is really interesting. And she has a lot of insights into dating and marriage and keeping up with keeping up your relationship and how you have to be careful with your wording. Is it, are we going to call it work? Are we going to call it effort? So I just thought that it was really interesting to talk to her as somebody who is actually a dating coach. So. Um, it's a really interesting episode. I can't wait to hear your feedback. And um, I'm still keeping up with the personal series. I'm sorry that it's been a while since I put out an episode. It's been really busy in the summer with the transition between school and camp. And um, Baruch Hashem, the business is busy. And um, so if you would wanna, if you want to hear more episodes like this, please visit my website, www.gilaglasper.com. You can listen to podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast. And most of these episodes are also on YouTube and IGTV. Catch me on Instagram at gila.glasberg.intuitiverz, where there's tons of free content, as well as on the website. And if you want to book a clarity call, you could do that on my website as well. Um, I might have to book you two, three weeks out, but feel free to schedule a clarity call if you are looking to make peace with food, and ditch diet culture. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Intimate with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Mrs. Eisenman, also known as Mindy Eisenman. Hi, Mrs. Eisenman. How are you? Hi, Gila. Hi, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. So um, Mrs. Eisenman was my teacher in high school in Batora in Muncie. And um, and now you teach at Stern College, right? Well, actually, I retired after 36 years, years of teaching. Really? Um, I retired from Stern not because of COVID, but the spring of that year of COVID last wow. year, wow. I had actually stopped teaching because my new role just got so large that mm-hmm. I went in that more in that direction. So tell the listeners, what do you do? What's your role? All right. uh, so although I have a master's in education and I still refer to myself as a teacher because I am a 
Kyle, a teacher, and I am a Shalom workshop instructor. Mm-hmm. And I have always been very interested in the concept of relationships. I became the staff connector for YU Connects. I went back and got my master's in social work. So I also do coaching within the relationships that are set up, whether through YU Connects or not through YU Connects, people have contacted me. And um, Baruch Hashem, YU Connects is booming, Mm -hmm. uh, partially probably because of COVID Mm -hmm. and people recognize the importance of having a relationship and doing it right. Right. You know, with, right. with a little assistance. Wow. So you've been a teacher for, you, you were a teacher for 36 years? Yeah. Wow. Wow. It so did I, overlap with the, it did overlap with the, you know, with why you connect. So I'm not 90. Right. Yet. <laughs> right. You would do it. How long have you been doing the why you connect for? So I have been Zoha to be working for them for 11 years. Wow, wow, wow. Right. It, it is, I work sister, with the most Shadok. amazing people. You know you made my sister Shadok, right? Yes, I did. I saw you at yes, Sinai. I, yes. yes. Well, they're they're connected, they're sister sites. Oh, I so because I work for YU Connects, I actually have um access to see people who are on So You at Sinai. And I will be honest, when I saw her join, I recognized her last name, Palatov, yes. and I saw her picture, and I was like, that is definitely yes, Gila's yes, sister. Yes, I yes. hope Hashem gives me the zechus to help wow. her. By the way, that was such a crazy story. Uh, like, so I told you that my podcast is a lot about intuitive eating, health at every size, um, body positivity, but I was doing like a personal series, the, the last few um, episodes, so you're on my personal series. But hopefully I'll have Tamar come on, my sister Tamar, but that was also like a crazy story. She wasn't really like dating through websites but like she just decided to join and he just decided to join and that's the month they met from you so isn't that crazy it's not so much crazy everyone has a story and to me it's so yad hashem mm-hmm. every time i make a shidduch i always say thank you hashem for allowing me to be the shaliach i i totally believe that i i have an understanding of people and i definitely have a flair for it but really, what me I the last couple I set up, they both are crazy about dogs that never even came up when I met wow. both of them. Wow. So I would never have set them up because of that. Right. And yet look, they both love wow. dogs. Well, do they have a dog? Well, well, they're engaged, they just got engaged. Oh, oh, they just got engaged. Okay. But nice. I'll let you know if they get yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so you said that you have this knack for like relationships or coaching relationships. Did you ever think about like being a marriage counselor? Were you always leaning towards being a teacher? Like what made you decide to go that route? When I was in Stern College, I actually I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I even played teacher as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went to Nikola. I knew that was the year that I was going to become serious and really focus on my skills so that I can teach others how to learn mm-hmm. um, and how to love Torah and Hashem. I knew that that was important. So I got that from Michlala. And then when I was in Stern, I started to think people would come to me with their problems. Maybe I should go into social work. They felt mm-hmm. that I was helping them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was me, but in my... 20s I kind of felt like when you teach it's all about positive things it's about Hashem it's about Torah I always tell everyone I know your science teacher your math teacher your English teacher are all going to tell you this is the most important class Mm -hmm. but I'm going to tell you really 
this is your most important class because right. this is the one thing that you're actually going to remember and take with you throughout your journey on life. Right. And I just, I think because I'm a very positive person, I was concerned that what if I became a clinical social worker and then I had to listen to so many people's mm-hmm. problems and mm-hmm. what if I, it's, I started to internalize it because right. I, I find that I connect with people easily. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point I shied away from it. That and even sense. now, that even now that I went back to get my master's in social work, I went back to get it, to use it, to improve the way I help people in relationships. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see a difference. Thank you, Wurzweiler. Um, wow. Wow. I definitely think I'm a better coach and Shachan because I... Um, because I have that master's in social work, mm-hmm. I, I give social workers and therapists a lot of a lot of credit. There are a lot of issues in this world, right. and they are so needed. Right, but right. I don't think that's my strength. Right, right. That's funny because I I also see I also really like like um, connecting with people and like the one on one stuff. But it is like things that come up. Like even though I'm a dietitian, I'm not a therapist, but I talk about people's food stuff and body image stuff like a lot of stuff comes out you know so it's like I'm sure yeah I like in the beginning I thought I was going to do like uh I thought my goal was going to be like 40 clients per week then I'm like 30 now I'm like oh my gosh 10 like in order to like you know really give them the emotional energy that you need to in a session it's like it's really a lot so you so you're a positive person by nature and you you had like this knack or this draw to teaching and, um, and you always said, did you always have this like love for Hashem, love to like spread to her? Like, were you like that as a teenager? I wasn't so like that as a teenager, but I think it was in my nature. My parents will joke about the fact that I was that kid since fifth grade that came to the Seder with that stack of Divrei Torah. I just wanted to tell it over Teach. and right. learn it. Right. And right. I always took everything people said to heart. You know, when a, a rabbi speaks and he wonders or or a teacher speaks and they wonder like, did they get my message? I always like accepted it. Mm-hmm. Some people are always doubting it. I always accepted it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, but so when you taught in Batora, which it was, it was high school, um, that was that was your first job or like, did you teach before that? So when I first got married, my husband was in dental school in Pennsylvania. So I taught really, I taught in elementary school for a year. And then I moved to like after school, Hebrew school, when my first two kids were very, very little. But Torah was my first high school experience. And the one thing that I always felt from my own teachers was if I connected with the teacher, so then I was much more open to hearing what she had to say. Right, right. And when I went for my master's in Jewish ed, one of the things they teach you, uh, Dr. Deborah Rosenwasser always likes to call them the animamins. You have two, two groups that you work on before you even start teaching. The first is globally, things that you want the girls to learn, like Derech um, Eretz, Love of Eretz Yisrael, tolerance, whatever those big pictures mm-hmm. are. And then you have the small things, you know, the, the more skills-based things like improved reading Rashi or learn how to read a Ramban or memorizing, whatever that is. So you balance the two and within the teaching, you make sure to put in those global perspectives. Mm-hmm. 
So if I wanted anyone to get some of those global perspectives, you only can do that if you feel that you have a connection to the mm. person giving it over. Right, right, right. Well, we, we were very close when I was in high school, but we were saying before we started recording that like you were in a really sticky role because you were our teacher, but you also were like, had the role of like giving us a pink slip if we even address appropriately. <laughs> was it a yellow slip? It wasn't really a pink slip. I think it was a different skirt. No, I think it was a yellow slip home. My mother always said, oh, I got my yellow slip or something like that. <laughs> but we still my mother always used to joke well you, you knew my mom growing up but she always used to joke like you're so close with Mrs. Eisenman yet I st I'm still getting all the yellow slips I'm like yeah I love Mrs. Eisenman I'm always getting in trouble you know so I think it's the way I saw the role and I think it it obviously worked you know looking at you today it obviously worked is I don't want to send home the yellow slip the only reason I'm going to send home the yellow slip is if you come dressed inappropriately. So it's, right. it's your choice. You know what the rules are right. and you need to follow the rules. And if you don't, I'm going to be crying. I feel bad, right. especially if you get into trouble. But right. really the one we have to talk to is you. You're the one that's making it happen. Right. 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 Not I'm making it happen. Right. I'm only writing it because you're making it happen. Right. But I wish I didn't have to. Right. Do you remember, like, now I'm really, like, now I'm really, like, throwing myself under the bus, but do you remember how, when I was in high school, I had my cartilage pierced, right, and we weren't allowed to get double holes, right, so, but that was when we, we were going on the Israel trip in 10th grade, do you remember this, I was just telling my friends. <laughs> yes. I don't and, know if I remember this exact story, but I remember the Israel me, trip, and I remember yeah. the cartilage. You said, you better take that out before the trip, because you're not gonna be able to go on the trip, or something like that, and I was like, no, it's gonna close whatever I'll just cover it with my ear with my hair and you're like you know what you told me you said I want you to do a report on the halachic sources of getting more than one hole do you remember that I actually don't yes but I don't think I ever did it and I probably still kept it in knowing me in high school but you had like a it was tough but I remember thinking like well, I used to come to you all the time, like for Shabbos. And like, I remember that break fast, like after the fast, I, maybe it was like the boarders, like the, the one, those of us who boarded, like we just had, you were like our second mom. So we had to like rely on you, but you made really oh, thanks. I remember, I remember that Tisha I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, one of us hit your car. That was fun. No, no actually I hit her car, car because right. I got a call Right. That my father-in-law was rushed to the hospital right. and I did not know that she had parked in the driveway and it was right. so black yes. that I didn't see it. That's what happened. But I remember. but it was fine. I found someone who fixed it and it didn't cost her anything. It was Are fine. you serious? Yeah, I paid for it. I hit her car. Oh, I thought you were saying it didn't cost her anything because you knew the person. I remember thinking, wow, yeah. th that woman is amazing. You're like, oh, there goes my summer vacation. But you were fine. <laughs> I don't know. You just, it really, it really had an impression on me. I'm going to tell you a little secret. You know what the best part of teaching is? It forces you to be a better person mm -hmm. because you can't teach something that you don't believe in when it comes to Torah. Right. So you could only teach it if you can uh, model it. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. I wanted if I wanted everyone to dress appropriately, I always, of course, had to dress appropriately. Mm -hmm. If I wanted everyone to be kind and forgiving, I always had to be kind and forgiving. Mm -hmm. Well, teenagers are hard, though. Did you find, did you find that job working with teens hard? 
I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. And I actually, I miss it so much that uh, a friend of mine is now uh, in a specific high school and she is the head of the Tanakh department. And she asked me if I would like occasionally come back to deal with a maternity leave. And I'm seriously thinking about it. You know, if it's only, you know, a few hours a week, I think I might want to swing it. Wow. Here's, here's a really nice thing about high school. Kids in high school need to know that you understand that their problems are monumental. Mm-hmm. Their problems are just huge and they take over their lives mm-hmm. and they're so important. Mm-hmm. It's true. But as a teacher, you know, in your heart that this is sort of little children, little problems, big mm-hmm. children, big problems. Mm-hmm. And you know that most of these issues, Gamze Ya'avor. And that's what I kind of loved about high school, the teaching versus the social work. Some of the issues that therapists get, they don't go away. They're, mm-hmm. they're tough. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you see it with intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. If someone was, God forbid, abused or someone, mm-hmm. and I'm talking even emotionally abused. Yeah. It's, it's, nice. it's it stays with them and even if they work at it mm-hmm. there's a part that just stays with them but the issues of oh my gosh I have so much homework mm-hmm. or my mother's gonna kill me because I did terrible on a test right or I you know my friends didn't invite me to something right right that's gonna go away mm-hmm. so I could sympathize and empathize and listen but I know it's going to be okay. Right. Right. I remember when I was in high school or maybe even younger. And I felt like my, I felt like I know the adults in my life think that this problem is so small, but like, I really feel sad about it. And I remember telling myself, like when your kids are teenagers, which they're not yet, but it kind of feels like they are, um, like make sure that you remember like how you felt when you were a teenager. Cause it's, it does feel huge actually. It really does. I remember that. Um, so after you left Batora, you decided to, you started working at Stern. So I, in the middle of Batora, I also worked at Stern. Oh yes, I, I did it simultaneously. At night. At night. No, at I worked night? there Tuesday and Thursday mornings. Oh, okay. So you started doing that. And how was so that? So I worked at Batora Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and I think Tuesday or Thursday afternoons, or maybe both afternoons, I don't know. But I, I worked both jobs. Wow. And then... In the second to last year of Batora, when unfortunately I knew that it wasn't doing so well in terms of incoming, the amount of incoming students, it's like Hashem sent me a gift. Mm-hmm. And my boss, Rabbit and Dr. Efrat Sabalovsky, had heard about me. And she called, she had just started White Connects like a year or two ago, and she was looking for a full time matchmaker. And at that point, I was dabbling. In so you were you already a shaman by then, right? Well, I mean, I dabbled in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I made like six of them, mm-hmm. and she called and she had heard about me, and she wanted to know if I wanted to come in for an interview. So mm-hmm. I said to her that I I had two jobs, and I wasn't mm-hmm. going to leave them. Right, that wouldn't be halachically correct. Right. You can't leave them, and I loved both jobs. Right. So it was tabled, and then she called me back a few months later. She couldn't find, and she said would I at least come in for an interview and talk to her? Mm-hmm. So I went in for the interview. We hit it off great. And um, she told me, would I consider working part-time at that point for the rest of the year? And then if I liked it, 
I would come on full time. Wow. So you had, she also offered me benefits, which I don't, Uh, which I didn't have at at Torah. Right. Health insurance. Right. And again, because I saw what was happening about Torah, I thought, Uh oh, you're getting a call. It's okay. Sorry, this is a great way for, for me to see, do I want to look for another teaching job? And I loved Batur so much, I really couldn't imagine teaching at any of the other schools. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, I was already thinking, right. if Batur closes, where am I going to go? And right. I just, right. so I thought, you know what? Let me try this. What would it be like? I've never worked at an off- in an office, you know? Right, right. So I, it was a little bit difficult. I got permission from my daughter, who was in 11th grade, she would be my only child that I wasn't home for at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I would come home an hour later. Mm-hmm. So she said it was fine. And I tried it out. I loved it. I spoke with the principal, Mrs. Bach at Batura, to explain to her that they offered me a great a salary and benefits. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this was the next step, wow. you know, to move on. And with her blessing, I, I left Batura. They actually were in existence for one more year. My daughter was the last graduating class. Uh, and, and I worked at YU Connect and I taught at Stern, which was nice because it gave me time to meet the girls downtown. I was going to say, YU Connect is, is, is Stern Girls, right? Like you were, you were working at the so, YU Connect is a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's an organization that, that while there is an online database. There is also, there are also trained, we call ourselves connectors Mm -hmm. who tirelessly meet uh, men and women all ages and hushkafically a real range Mm -hmm. from very liberal Mm -hmm. to very right wing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think we put in extra love, extra care, extra devotion. And um, I think we are coming up to the five, to the number 500. Wow. Very wow. shortly. We're coming up to 500, yeah. which is very exciting to be a part of an organization yes. that basically partners with Hashem all day. Oh, that's really beautiful. Really beautiful. So, but do you meet all the, the men and women in person or some of them you meet like on the phone, Zoom? Like, how does that work? Well, since COVID, a few friends and I started to, two friends and I started to meet on Zoom mm-hmm. with people that wanted to meet with us. We meet Monday evenings and Tuesday mornings. We meet a minimum, somewhere between 10 and 15 people a week. Wow. So you can imagine the accumulation. Yes. It's done very methodically because this gives us the rest of the week to process the information, to to start setting people up. If you were, I was beforehand constantly meeting people when it fit into people's schedules. Mm-hmm. now it's so much more organized right, right. and this way also people don't have to come they don't have to come right. to YU they don't have to come right. to Stern they don't have yeah. to come to my house in Muncie I was meeting people at my cousins in Woodmere at my right. kids in Queens right right all That's over smart. now That's it's smart. it's just so much more organized we can give everyone the time of day and then the three of us brainstorm we have brainstorming That's so sessions That's to try and you know set people up and give people hope Right. That's so fun. That's such a fun job. No, there's a lot of fun, but there's also the, the highs are amazing. Yeah. The highs are amazing, but 
but the lows are a little tough. They're a little tough when someone said, has, gets their heart broken. I know, I've been there. And you have to build them up. Yeah, I know. I've been there like, well, actually my husband and Ami made two shadachim. Did you know that? I did not. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, so Ami set up my sister with her husband, Ami, so that we have two Amis. Ami Glassberg and Ami Rabin. But I always say my yes. husband's the first Ami. And they're both in Yeshiva Gadola. So that's funny. Um, and then he set my friend Dina up. Uh, with her husband Yaakov but like that was like they both both of those couples broke up and then got back together so they give us credit but I don't know if we really get the credit but of course you um, do right right so uh so then once people heard that he made two shidduchim they want to set they send their daughters here to meet Ami because Ami's like I'll only set them up if I meet them but then we've had people that we had to tell them like you know the boy said no the girl said no we're like we can't do this it's so hard it's very hard that part's really hard um so but you said you're you're also a dating coach like is that your own side business or you just became like a coach to help you facilitate your job both very cool. so it, it is a side business and people can contact me if they want me to help them with relationship I've done a lot of there are a lot of guys out there who they don't know how to talk to girls they don't know, or they know how to talk, but they just know how to shoot the breeze. They don't know mm -hmm. how to make an emotional connection, go a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. or they know how to do that. But then how do you work through the process of moving mm -hmm. from dating to engagement to wedding? Mm -hmm. You know, there are always that guys who after a first date, they're like, okay, so we're going to get married. Wow. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, or they, they like the girl a little too much and they show it. They, right. they just... They're not helping themselves. Right, right. So that's where you come in. And you so sort of they can come to me and I help guide them. And then sometimes people get stuck on certain issues mm -hmm. and they'll come to me. Can I help them unstick mm -hmm. this specific issue? And we, and we work on it and right. they recognize I, it, I work a lot with something called the strengths perspective. Mm -hmm. I really, I know we talk about this all the time, you and I. I believe, especially if everyone believes that there's a piece of Hashem in them, so everyone believes that they're special, mm -hmm. right? They, they have something unique about them. I have something from Hashem that's unique to me, and you have something from Hashem that's unique to you. So we can use that strength, that piece of Hashem within us to do whatever, Ever since I was little, I think it's in my eighth grade yearbook. If you could find your, your mom and I graduated together. So if you could right. find her, you know, your yeah. mama, Les, Shalom, if you could find yeah. her yearbook, I believe my quote even then was Eindavar Omeid B'thnei Haratzon. Nothing stands in front of the one that has a desire to complete something or to do something. Mm -hmm. So I believe that if something, if someone wants something, they can really attain it. Wow. That's beautiful. So I use that in the coaching to right. bolster people up and help them through whatever they're working on. And I also put in, I wouldn't call it musr, I'm going to say information about what a relationship is. I think a lot of people have a misnomer, what's important in a relationship. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize. In CERN, I taught a course on relationships and Tara Samashbacha and one of the things I would always tell the girls is if you want to be, it's not about finding a person. Mm -hmm. It's first about becoming the right person. Right. right. And then it'll be easier to find the right person. 
Right. Well, we were talking about this a little bit before, like talking about the difference between dating and marriage. Right. And I know like, well, I think, I, I think I learned a lot about this in seminary that like when you grow up watching movies or like Hollywood has you thinking that like marriage is like fireworks and it's so beautiful and everything's amazing and you guys love each other. And then like the movie always ends at the wedding day, you know, like you don't see the hard parts. And then you go into wedding thinking into your marriage thinking like, oh, this is weird. Like, this is really hard. Like I told you that, that I mean, I knew each other for a long time. I mean, you know, before we, before we got married and he said to his, he was talking to one of his rebellion and he said, oh, it's going to be easier for us because we knew each other. And he's like, maybe it'll be easier for about one week. <laughs> and it was like really hard, you know, like, obviously we love each other, but it was, it's challenging, you know, like there's just, but also I I'm also one of those types of people that never want to like tell people that before they get married, because it's like, you don't want to be that person that's like so negative and people don't until you're in it you really don't how do you teach people someone that before they get married what marriage will really be like you know i don't know if you want to talk about necessarily to someone else what we call the good the bad the ugly right. kind of thing right. i think that what you want to explain is the difference between fun and happiness Right. Fun is a roller coaster mm -hmm. and you go on it and it's an amazing feel, mm -hmm. right? That high, mm -hmm. but then it goes away. Right. That's fun. Happiness is working at something, breaking your teeth over it. Okay. I can't help but I'm the Tanakh teacher. Right. So when you pull apart a Ramban and you right. really understand what he's saying, and it took a lot of work and a lot right. of effort, right. or you wanted to learn how to play a a piece of Beethoven on the piano mm -hmm. and it didn't sound right. And you practiced and practiced and practiced. And months later, you, you've got it. You've really, mm -hmm. you know, succeeded. So you attain a level of happiness. Right, right. So that doesn't happen when you're first married. That's why Shana Rishona is considered difficult. It's not that it's difficult. Right. It's just that until you get to the point where Oh, I know what my husband is going to say about this. Right, 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 right. I, I don't have to ask him about right, this. Right. I, I know already. Right. It How, takes long a while take? <laughs> How long does that take? How long does that take? You know, I did I did a lot of reading, not like on self-help books, because I just, they happened to help me a lot. And you know the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, right? So he said- I'm a big fan. Yeah, I love that book. I'm actually, Ami, I got Ami to read it. He listened to the audio book because we were like, I really like that book. But what- something that he said that was really like eye-opening is that like even like statistically like um re the research shows that um the first year I think I think the first two years when you meet someone and you fall in love is like a, it does feel like a roller coaster like you literally have like more endorphins like from feeling like you're in love so that when he hurts your feelings you don't feel it as much right when when you hurt his feelings whatever but then it goes away like it literally goes away and I guess Hashem does that because that is what bonds you and makes you want to get married and then it's like the hard work where when that leaves you know I wouldn't say that it's hard work I wouldn't use the word hard sometimes people think it's hard I can't do it right it's so what's just the right work, word? work. it's just right. work right it's right. just everyone has to be willing to put rather than work how about if we just say it's effort effort right people have to put in the effort it's like i'll give you a great analogy most people don't know this but 
remember my husband helped you learn how to yes. drive yes your husband is so nice he taught me a lot of things your husband while we were driving Barry's amazing yeah. and he has an amazing amount of patience but when you get in that car if you could think back to it you've watched someone drive your whole life you, right. you've got it nailed you're in right. high school you think right. you could do this right and then you can't stop properly right. or you jerk right. the car or you, right. you make a very wide turn or you're right. like oops yeah yeah that's kind a good thing and then yeah. all of a sudden you realize you have to practice right you have to work at this right right that's really funny that you just said that first of all I'm cracking up for the listeners listening to this because like they must be thinking like what on earth like I was a boarder I didn't live with my parents I, I was adopted in the Eisenman house and your husband was so sweet he took me you know what he taught me okay side point but he took me to 7-eleven to get milk and he's like do you know why they put milk at the back of the store so you have to walk through the whole store to get milk I'm like well that's really interesting um because so you buy other things um but yeah that was really nice of him and also it's so interesting the the other thing that's point like like coming to my head is that like um even when I was learning to drive you're right like you don't like obviously people drove around me but like I paid so little attention to things around me that had nothing to do with me you know like driving so like the same thing with marriage like you you you're around obviously people married in relationships and stuff like that but like you literally don't practice until you're married like you can't imagine what it's like to live with someone a roommate obviously but it's still totally different when you're living with um a spouse and it's like it's just like I I even remember like a week after getting married feeling like wow this is weird you know like this is different like if this is not a sibling or because like because you you didn't live together before so you you kind of have like your guard up and then all of a sudden you do live together and you feel like wow my guard's down this is weird you know what I mean and like you can't really practice until until you're in it but I do feel and you like make mistakes a lot of mistakes and that's why you yeah. have to learn how to say I'm sorry right right but what about people who like don't get that coaching or don't realize that they need it like how do we I feel like you know Laura Doyle wrote the book on the surrendered wife she says like we should give like marriage classes in high school you know like people need so much more coaching than that I feel like so I don't remember everything I learned in psychology classes, but if I remember correctly, until you reach a certain age, you don't have abstract thinking. Mm -hmm. I think it's right. like around 15, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. And we don't believe that at every age people can understand things. Right, right. I think until you're really ready to get married, you're supposed to focus on me. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to focus on me. Mm -hmm. I have to become the right person. And right. if I do things for me, so then I'll be willing and ready to do things for you. Right. I remember clearly, I don't know who, where I was specifically, but there was a Hanukkah party and everyone gets, you know, you sit there as a kid and you get all these presents. And I remember someone was newly married in the family and they were like, I love giving presents. This is such a great feeling. And I remember thinking as a kid, not me. I want to be there on the receiving end. I want to right. get all the presents. Right. I don't want to give someone all the presents. Right. But at a certain point in life, you realize what makes me happy. Right. It's giving. Right. But why is, does giving give you such a good feeling? It's also because you've been on the other end. You know what it, you know how you feel when someone gives to you. Mm -hmm. Right. So right when you're younger, you can't practice marriage, right? Because you're not really ready for it. You you haven't, 
I used to say this. I don't know if the, I don't know if I, I think I tell the students all the time. There were four years of high school for a reason, right? When you get in the oven in, in ninth grade, you're the, well, I love food, Gila. I know you're right, 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 intuitive right, eating, right. but I love food. Right. So I always give food, food references. Yeah, and I, love- I would always say in ninth grade, you're batter. Yes, you I remember are this. raw. You right. are not ready to walk out the door. Right. By the time you graduate, you're fully baked. Right, right. So you need all those steps right. to get there. So I would say even after high school, the average person is not ready straight out of high school. You haven't had enough life experiences to be ready to share your life. And you know, I'm sure I, I'm willing to admit, everyone always says, oh, you'll get married, you'll have a baby. And you're so excited. And then you have this baby and you can't get dressed because they keep spitting up on you. You don't even have time to take a shower. You're exhausted and you think, they got me. How did this happen to me? What am I supposed to do now? Yeah, yeah. And and it's Mm. it's a miserable sinking feeling at first. Imagine now if that would have happened before you had the experience of going to seminary and doing what you wanted to do and what Mm. worked for you. Right, right. You need that. You need those. You need to blocks. turn the me into a we. Right. But you right. can't do that until you've done some some of those me things. Do you feel like when you're when you're meeting with um, single women or men that like you're getting like a sense like oh this person's not ready for marriage or they need like a few more years? Do you ever feel like that? I don't know if you're allowed to say, but I work very hard not to judge people. Mm-hmm. I really believe in the phrase from Pirkei Avot that Hashem judges others the way we, Hashem judges us the way we judge others. Who am I to judge? What right. do I know what they went through? Right. Right. You know, my mother right. would always say to me, until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, I don't know if you ever heard that phrase, yeah. you, can't, you can't judge them. True. So I would never say that someone isn't ready. If mm-hmm. they come to me, then obviously they're taking the initiative. Mm-hmm. Right, that's true. But there are times that I might say to someone, well, if no one is pretty enough for you, if no one is, you know, meeting what you're looking for, so what does that say? So you put people in their place a little bit. I try and get them from a social work perspective. We always try and get the client to see it themselves. Mm -hmm. If I tell you something, you're not going to get it. Right. right. Everyone knows no one needs to be anyone who tells someone else they need to lose weight. That person goes on the defensive. Right. They don't say, oh, you think I need to lose 10 pounds? OK, I'm going to go on a diet. No right. one does that. Right. It's only when, well, they are I, I, you know, I don't I don't even. Right. I personally don't even promote like intentional weight loss. But but yes, I, I would say like I always say this. On my, I think I say this in my podcast. I always say like people don't want unsolicited. I mean, they're coming to you. So they do want unsolicited advice. I mean, it's solicited, but I'm just saying like, I hear what you're saying. Like you need to coach them to get to the answer that they need to hear. You don't need to tell them you're being too picky. Although like, like, okay, I never dated. I met Ami when I was in high school. So I know that like, I have no perspective on this at all. Like I totally get that. And then, cause I've heard people say like, how could you say that I'm being too picky? Like you don't even get it. Like you have no idea what it's like to like date people and know they're not for you, right? So, but people like might my, my, see that person and be like, oh, they're just being so picky, you know? But like, obviously they don't feel like they're being picky. They feel like they haven't met the right person. 
So it's just there are so many couples that I know of that told me, all right, I'll go on another date. I'll give it a try. But I'm telling you, I know this is not going to be. And now they're happily married with kids. Wow. I, when someone, when someone knows within, when they say to me, I go out and within the first five minutes, I know whether this is going to work or not. Mm -hmm. I, I personally, Mindy Eisman, I know they're, they're closed. Mm -hmm. They're not closed. I always say, every time you meet someone, open yourself up to be curious. Mm -hmm. It's a great trait, curiosity. Find out about this person because really, let's say this person isn't for you. Maybe they're for a friend of yours, but now you know them so much better. Right. You can now suggest someone for them. Right. And so often when you open yourself up to learn about them and find out what makes them tick, find out what their strengths are. Right. You know, sometimes you kind of like those strengths. You're looking for those strengths. You give it a shot. Right, right, right. Because like you said, it's not like in TV where you look across the room and stare into someone's eyes and you're like, hi, that person's for me. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Although I did meet Ami when I was 16, you know, so <laughs> I used to joke in, in high in seminary when they would say like, oh, these, you know, these high school sweetheart things, they don't work out. But I'm like, it actually is going to work out. We're going to get married. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, that's definitely and not you recognize how... you recognize what a bracha that is, correct? I do. Of course. Of course. But. But yeah, you I should think... know, you should also make sure your kids know it's a bracha and it very rarely happens. My right. parents met in camp. When they were my like parents also met in 18. camp. My parents also yeah. met in camp. But I will tell you, I always grew up thinking, oh, I'm gonna meet some guy in camp. Right. Right. Oh, I should look, I should look around I should camp. Be on because, the lookout. Right. And I think that it took away a little bit from me. Right. Right. Do you um are you comfortable sharing how you met your husband? Oh, I'm actually I'll tell you, Hashem was so good to me. Right after Michlala, I went on a program. Uh, from YU, it was called Tachia. It has a different name now. I think it's called Counterpoint. And we went to an underdeveloped town and we did programs for them. And uh, originally, I, I actually didn't get in. Oh, and there wow. were four towns and uh, my friend, a friend of mine got in and the town she was going on was Shkunaratik, but it was sort of like a slum. Some people were going to Tzvat, some people were they were going to really nice places. And I felt bad that she was going there. And I thought, oh, I didn't want to go there. And then unfortunately her grandmother got sick and her mother wanted her to come home. And nice. she knew that I really wanted to go. And she said to me, do you want to take my place? Wow. You'll wear my shirt that says you'll have it. And I'll tell them, don't worry that I'm canceling last minute. Oh, wow. So I called my parents and I was like, normally I would have said, no, I'm not going if I get onto that town. Right. But I wanted to go so badly. I was right. like, fine, I'll go to the hot right. Tel Aviv right. slum of Mishkunat Atikva right. and I'll go. And my husband was there. Wow. And as you could see, I'm a very talkative person and no one believes this, but he was very quiet. He, when I asked him afterwards, why didn't you talk for two weeks? He's like, I didn't really know anyone. I, I had nothing to say. Uh-huh. But I got to see a side of him as a friend you know that feeling you get to see them and mm-hmm. then and then we only started dating once we came back and it was it moved a little slowly it wasn't it didn't happen so fast 
But you didn't date. You didn't date. You didn't date other guys, right? He was the only guy. So I did actually because he was in dental school. He didn't come in that often, and he never really said we were dating. Mm -hmm. He'd call me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a few months before we started really dating. And then you got married. Like, were you were you like nineteen twenty? So I got married right before I turned twenty. Wow, I was a real baby. Yeah, you were really young. See, I got and married I, at 21. I also told my girls when they started to date, take your time. Don't rush. Right. Right. This is, right. I always tell my students, the first one down the aisle does not win. Right, right. But it feels like that. It feels like that. Even though I didn't, I, I guess I, I don't, I definitely, I mean, whatever. Mommy and I were had broken up, so we weren't dating. And I did feel that pressure. And my older sister, um, Yali, she was like, you guys, all you do is talk about marriage. But she met her husband at Queens College and then they got married. I was like, you don't get it. There's so much pressure. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, like you want to tell yourself, like, take your time, travel, enjoy. But like, I guess when you're like from, like it does, it just feels like the next step is marriage. And like even now when I look at my siblings who got married at 19, I'm like, what is the rush? But like I remember being there and thinking like, you do feel like you're in a rush. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of sad because I do feel like there could be like that like 18, 19, 20 where you're like traveling a little and take your summers off and stuff. But there is a lot of pressure. It's kind of sad. There is pressure. But one guy that I set up, I'm sure he's going to be okay that I'm going to quote him. I set him up a lot. It was a few years that we worked together. And when he started the process, he was looking for a certain type of girl. And he got married, he, I'm going to say he was 25, and he, he was just so crazy about her. And he said to me, you know, it's not about marrying the first person. Like, it's not about getting married. It's about right. the right relationship. Right. He said, and I needed to evolve. Like, right. I have to respect the process. Right. I learned a lot about myself through dating, mm-hmm. and that helped me meet this wonderful person that I'm going to marry. Wow. And I think that there are a lot of people who don't recognize that. And there are a lot of parents mm-hmm. who literally their daughter is 20 years old or 21. And they, there, there, there are people who are literally taking tens of thousands of dollars from these people because just find my daughter a shidduch. But it could very well be that this is not Hashem's plan. Right, so I right. always say dating has to be your life, but only a part of your life. You also have to develop yourself right. and develop your strengths. And if you're in a good place, you have a better chance of finding that guy. And, and you definitely, it's like a job, searching for a job. You can't sit back and wait for the perfect job to mm-hmm. fall in your lap. Mm-hmm. Maybe the job will be a little further away. Maybe the job won't be exactly what you thought. It'll be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at the whole package. Right, right. And therefore you have to go to many people. Mm-hmm. I always say, right. you don't know who Hashem is sending the person to. So when you're ready to start dating, tell your friends, tell your relatives, right. go to Shad Khanim. There are some people who are like, no, I'm going to wait for someone to call me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen with a job either. Right, that's true. That's really true. No, I like what you said that that this boy got married at age 25 and he realized that that the dating process was a journey and he picked up 
things along the way that he didn't know about himself or that he developed himself and that perhaps enabled him to find this wonderful woman at age 25 as a different person, right? So exactly. that's important. That's important. That's important for people. I think, I think it's important for like, if girls are listening who are like single, you know, whether they're 19, 20 or, or even if they're 29, 30, just to remember that, even though like, who am I to say that? I'm just saying that obviously I have a different, I have a different experience, but, but yeah, I remember getting married young and having a baby right away and thinking about my single friends and being like, wow, they have so much free time, you know, like that must be nice, <laughs> you know, even though of course I was so happy and I, I'm, and they were yeah. probably thinking, oh, I wish I love of having course. my free time, but I wish I was Gila married of course. with a baby. Of course, of course, that's the way it is. I'm just saying that like, that like, Obviously, I do think that like, at least in my circles, like people want to get married, the younger, the better, right? Like 19, 20, 21. And then like people are already considered old at age 23, you know, but I do think that if there, there could be a, a, a shift between like, with like Hashem runs the world and you're going to get married when you're meant to get married. And every dating opportunity is a way to learn about yourself and grow and maybe meet someone and learn like, this is this, I could live with this. I can't, it's so important. It's such a important part of life. Right. You know, I once received uh, something really nice, uh, a really nice uh, candy platter from a girl after a date ended. And I called her up and I thanked her. It was the very first time someone had ever sent me a gift when something ended. And I said to her that it was so nice, but it didn't work out. So she happens to have been smarty. And she said to me that her rough taught her that everyone actually is supposed to go out with a certain number of people before they find their bashert. Mm -hmm. And by you setting me up with this person, I'm now one step closer. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of hakarasa tov to you because you're getting me closer. And That's I remember crazy. thinking, this girl is going to find her bashert. Wow. Because she really has great yerashimayim mm -hmm. and she respects the process. And she was so grateful to everyone that was helping her along the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really, really nice. That's beautiful. I don't know. The only, I, the only thing that like, I guess does, the thing that doesn't sit well with me is that like, I know I, I, I'm on Instagram a lot for my business, but I see like some older singles talking about their experience and like certain things like, like um, certain flyers say like for married women only, or, you know, and like these women are like 30, 31, and they feel like they're like in a different status because they're not married in the from community. And it's like painful, really painful for them. Right. And obviously, so you know what, I, I think you're talking about two different things. But first, I just want to validate, we don't, we don't know what Hashem has in store for everyone. Right. And it is, there are a lot of things out there that are painful. Yeah, it's painful when someone can't have children. It's painful mm -hmm. when someone like us loses a parent young. Mm -hmm. It's painful when you have someone who is waiting and waiting for their bashert and they can't seem to find it. Mm -hmm. it. Happens to be even that one of my kids who took a little bit longer to find his bashert than the others, I remember telling him, you know, maybe you want to dive in one of his friends was having trouble having kids I had heard. So he said he does dive in for him. He said, but you know what? He's in it with his wife. And I'm in the shidduch process by myself. Oh, and it really, I, I took it to heart. And yeah. every time I meet someone, I always give them time because I feel, I want them to know that I at least care. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I may not be successful because right. I may not be the one that right. Hashem has in store to help you, mm-hmm. but I want you to at least know you have some place to turn. Wow. Whether it's a mom who needs someone there, the friends are tired of listening to her cry, yeah. or, mm-hmm. or it's someone, whether it's a single guy or a girl yes. who wishes that they were married. And, you know, sometimes they feel like people are saying to them, like, well, you must be doing something wrong. Right, right, right. Exactly. You're not doing anything wrong. Right. It's, it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Like they feel uh, bad enough that they're not married than to feel like it's their fault, you know? Right. But just like, it's, in, I guess, in any part of society, just like so many couples who can't have children and so much of Jewish life centers around children. Right. So it's, it's hard for someone who's single, who doesn't have a spouse. And there are so many articles written around Yontif time to be mm-hmm. sensitive or mm-hmm. in a community to be sensitive if you have someone who's single, who lives in the community. And, and as a shotgun, I actually feel even more almost like guilty because this is what I do. So in a way, it's harder for me than for you, Gila, because I'm like, why can't I find this person? Right, right. right? I feel do like feel a pressure. that guilt. Right. I, I do go to sleep every night with a heavy heart. And whenever mm-hmm. I go to Israel and I go to the hotel, I whoever I've been speaking to, I take their name with me to the hotel. And I, I just, even if it's not me, I don't need to right. necessarily be the shaliach, but please just help these people. But I, I, I'm not sure, but I think a lot of the flyers that say for married women only, I think that's because it relates to Tara Samishpacha. Right. So right. it's a, it, in the, and in the firm community, let's be honest, in the firm community, we'd like to believe that only married women are using the mikvah. And mm-hmm. therefore, if someone is coming on to talk about the mikvah or to talk about, um, intimacy mm-hmm. so it's for married women so right. writing married women sort of tells you what the topic is I don't think mm-hmm. it's meant to exclude but I guess people that write it now have to be sensitive to the fact that they are hurting someone's feelings do you think they could like I'm just I've been this has been like weighing on me since I heard people talk about it I think I wonder like if they should be allowed to comment because they feel like this will prepare them for a healthy marriage I don't know maybe it depends on the the topic I think it has to be as long as it's okay with the person who's speaking for instance sometimes people speak and it's for women only because the person speaking doesn't feel comfortable speaking to men or doesn't feel comfortable speaking to a mixed audience. Mm-hmm. So it works both ways. Right. I hear that. I get, it really has to be individual. Yes. I hear that. I totally hear that. Um, but I definitely right. think that we as a firm community do have to be more sensitive and, and really more sensitive to single women because right. men come to shul. Mm-hmm. So therefore it's easier for you to invite them. For instance, you may not go to shul all the time because you have little kids. So you don't right. want them screaming in shul. Right. So you're not right. going to shul. So right. if, if I were a single woman, your husband isn't going to see me and invite me for a meal. Right. And you don't even know that I exist because you're right. not going to shul. Right. That's true. That's really hard. So perhaps Rabbanim have to have something where we're single in the community people. can meet yeah. so that yeah. If someone is single, they can go to someone's home right. uh, and, be and they feel more included. Right, 
right, including them for sure. Um, I really could speak to you forever, but it's actually Arab Shabbos at 4.25. And um, I probably should go upstairs and finish cooking. Um, but I could talk to you forever and we should hang out. I could talk and... to you too. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Can you tell the listeners like where they could find you if they want to do like coaching with you or use you as a shadrin? If they want to reach me, so they can always reach me through the Why You Connects website. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way to reach me. Or they can... Email? email me at my name, Mindy Eisenman at Gmail okay. and say that they, and specifically they should say that they heard me on Gila Glassberg's intuitive eating podcast. Okay, great. So I'm going to put all that in the show notes and then people could find you. Okay. All right. Terrific. Okay. Thank Gila, you so this was really, really nice. It was really fun. Thank Thanks you so for much. inviting me. Of course. All right. And really, I just, I would just like to end with a bracha to anyone who's single who's listening if you're listening, so you're listening because you really are taking to heart everything about Shadokim. And in Mir Hashem, this should be your year and Hashem should help you find your Ziva. And um, oh, man. that's my bracha. And if you need a dating coach, Mrs. Eisenman, as you hear, is amazing and sensitive and compassionate and makes really good broccoli kugel. And I can <laughs> you over for a breakfast and you can invite me too and I'll be there. <laughs> have a wonderful Shabbos okay you too thank you all so much for being here on my podcast get into it with Gila if you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg thank you so much have a great day